podcast and uh, recently retired Royals great Chris McCarthy joining us. Chris, first of all, it's great to catch up. Um, your years in Reading were, were special for a lot of reasons, and now you have a new opportunity coming up in Malvern. Let's start off with that, the news of the last week, your retirement, and now this new opportunity. Tell us about that. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, um, I wanted to stay in the game. It's something that I've been doing for 20 years, right? So it was like, how do I uh, make this transition into, I guess, the so-called real world? um and do something that I love and, and try to get back to you know players coming up in the game um so I partnered up with a buddy of mine and he kind of had his hockey school running for four years and I said hey why don't we just try to jump into something create a program where um these youth players have an opportunity to really develop skill wise and um you know, that's what we have moving forward with Elite Edge, and, and we're excited to be hopefully opening up here middle of November. Um, probably December 1 is, is really our, our start date. And um, when I was training growing up, like, there was a hockey facility about an hour away from me, strictly for goalies, um, kind of a 40 by 90 sheet, and I love training there. But there was no gym. There wasn't, you know, what we're incorporating with mental wellness. Um, just a lot of different factors that not only for players, but parents and, and um, other athletes can be a part of. And um, that's really kind of what we're, we're shooting for. Collegeville native, as the Royals fans know. Um, you're a PA guy. I know you've lived up in Rochester. Um, you went to school in University of Vermont and basically spent your entire career, lack of a better way of saying it, traveling around the country. Um, yeah. how, how refreshing is it that this is an opportunity that like, hey, you're not moving somewhere unfamiliar to you. You're going to be in Malvern right outside of Philly doing this. Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously huge for me after <laughs> traveling all over the world. Um, I was lucky enough to be playing professionally in the state of PA for a majority of my career, which was uh, a treat alone in itself. Um, but to finally kind of set up shop and, and have some roots um, it's going to be nice for, for myself and, and I know for my wife, <laughs> she's going to be happy about that. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we're excited. I think uh, we're doing all the right things. I'm up here, like I said, in Vermont uh, with a buddy that, that has his own place and just trying to learn the day-to-day -day stuff so that when we hit the ground, we're hitting the ground running. What does that take to hit the ground running with the program that you're starting with Elite Edge? Just preparation. I mean, kind of back in the beginning of the year, I knew that it was kind of going to be my last year. Um, so I've been kind of preparing for this since October. And it's just been making, you know, checking off each box along the way. Just like I did playing hockey, you know, you, you got to have that preparation and be prepared for um, whatever you're doing. And that's what we're trying to do as a team collectively um, with each, you know, the gym, the on ice, the mental wellness, like we're just trying to check every box so that, you know, come mid-November, December 1, we have the kids in there and um, they're ready to go. It's really neat seeing you, Alex Krushelniski, some recently retired Royals in particular, uh, going through at their own ventures. We'll hit a little bit more on it on the end, but uh, let's take a couple steps back, a little bit of hockey. So it's crazy to say this, but the last time we saw you wear a Royals uniform was the Royals were trying to clinch a playoff spot on that final day of the season yeah. a couple of years ago. And uh, yourself, um, everyone was clicking. And it's still, even though the Royals didn't make it, was such a fond memory. 
those last few weeks of you being a Royal in the 2018, 2019 season, what do you, how do you uh, uh, put that in perspective about a year and a half later? Yeah. I mean, that was definitely a whirlwind because I even went into that season thinking, you know, this could be it. Um, and then, you know, we unfortunately didn't make the playoffs that year. We had a great team and um, just on and off the ice. I think we had great chemistry and, you know, we clicked a little bit too late in the season to, to make that final push. Um, for me personally, I guess, you know, it worked out because I ended up going to Hershey and then obviously extended my career another year. Um, so who knows if we don't, if we make the playoffs, maybe I, I'm still done after that year, you know, and, and maybe we aren't here today. So, you know, there were pros and cons to that situation, obviously not making the playoffs was, was tough because of the team that we had um, kind of similar to keeping track of you guys last year. Like you guys had a great squad and then um, obviously different circumstances led to the season being canceled, but um, yeah. So what's, uh, what's Wellesley Pat Weller like in, uh, in his Hershey role <laughs> versus uh his Royals role. He was Royals assistant, for those that don't remember, Royals yeah. assistant coach 2017-18, came from Cincinnati, and then he had the opportunity to move on to his former squad in Hershey. And what's he like? Uh, what was he like to work with this year as a coach in Hershey? Oh, he was the same. You know, <laughs> he didn't change one bit, which is why he's, you know, where he at, is at. Um, great guy, great coach, you know, just really relatable. Um, and I think that's what any player wants is just be able to relate to their coach one way or the other. And, um, you know, he's going to give it to you whether you want to hear it or not that day, you know. So, um, and every player just wants to know where they stand. And, and, you know, that doesn't change his attitude towards you off the ice or anything like that. I mean, he was always a great guy. And um, I love being able to work with him last year and, and the year before. I know that you just sort of touched on this a little bit about getting a rebirth of your career. And a big reason for that was you went to Hershey after your Royal season had ended and you were shot out of the cannon. And uh, I'm sure that helped parlay into getting an AHL deal um, with, uh, with Hershey last year. As a player, when you're able to do that and show that, hey, I still got it, what were the conversations <laughs> like with your wife, with your family, about choosing to continue your career and what was ultimately your final season with the Bears? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, from my wife's perspective, she was always supportive. I mean, that was never um, a question with that. It was just more or less um, where are we going to be at and, and how are we going to get there? So it's just connecting the dots. And um, like you said, going there after – you know, not making the playoffs. I still wanted to play some playoff hockey. So I still had that drive in me to, to go there and perform and still felt like I had something to prove, um, just like any other guy. So I think that for me was, was something that I wanted to do when I went to Hershey. So, I mean, I can't speak more highly about a staff, a coaching staff. Um, Hershey has a great staff and um, it was an easy transition from, from Reading to Hershey because obviously um, K-Mac, you know, knowing Wellesley and everything else, it just, it just was kind of a seamless transition. Kirk uh, played a huge part in your career. 
I, especially, you know, the, I would have to say when he became head coach, maybe even more of a big role, even though the staff here is so small. And one of the perks about the ECHL is that, you know, the coaching staff is very interactive with the players at all times. And you really, really feels like just sort of a close knit family from the front office to the coaches, to, uh, to the players. Kirk's impact on your career, I know it's hard to summarize into words, but how would you put it into words about the impact he and all the coaches here in Reading have played on your career? Yeah, I mean, that was a big reason why I wanted to be there. Um, because of the coaching staff, I mean, they do a great job on the ice and off the ice. I mean, K-Mac knows when to push you, when to lay off. Like, he has the read of the room. Um, which takes, you know, experience and knowledge of, of which players you have in the room, right? So um, that's why Reading's been so successful in the past is because they have a great staff, you know, from front office all the way down to, you know, yourself. Like, there's no gaps, there's no holes in, in that locker room. Um, and that's why I loved it in Reading and uh, loved working with K-Mac and, you know, just the room and the environment every day is, is a place where you want to go to work, right? And I guess you never got to be coached by by your buddy Nick Luco yeah. <laughs> uh, that you grew up playing with. So uh, yeah. Nick's obviously done well here. How often do you still? I know they're buddies, so I know it's going to be a lot. But I'm sure Stephen Swavely, Nick Luco, all your guys here, you're still texting on a on a regular basis. I'm sure there's some group chat out there that's getting hit up regularly, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the thing, right? When you have such a good group, um, it kind of shows once that season's over, sometimes you'll leave and um, guys obviously go their own directions. But I mean, that team as a whole still, you know, makes contact um, and keeps intact. So, I mean, it goes to show the, the type of guys in that locker room every year. And uh, your three seasons here make the playoffs twice, obviously just to point out in, uh, in one of the years, when, how did it end up that when you were coming from Greenville and Hartford that you were able to link up with Lehigh Valley and eventually the Royals at the time and work out that deal uh, to come back home, essentially, to Pennsylvania? I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I remember I was with Hartford the year before, and um, I just needed a change of scenery myself. And I don't know. It just kind of came full circle. And you know, ended up working out. I'm grateful and happy that it did. I think uh, it helped me personally with my career being in a new spot and, and maybe a little bit closer to home kind of helped. Um, after being away for so long, maybe I needed that. I don't know. I think uh, looking back, it, it's kind of crazy that, you know, I travel all over the place and then end up playing majority of my career in, in Pennsylvania, which was great. I loved it. And it's so weird, too, because obviously, you know, the travel piece, but playing in maybe weird isn't the right word. But when you play in Reading, man, the travel is is hard. Your closest trip is five hours away. And Hershey, your farthest trip is five hours away unless you're going up to Canada. Same when you were with the Phantoms for uh, those couple stints, especially in your first year in the Flyers organization. So. I mean, there's, there's, it's hard playing in this league. It's hard playing in Reading. Oh, yeah. It's hard playing in the coast. What would you explain to just an average fan about what it's like to have to go through those struggles of playing in, playing in the coast? A lot of late night card games with Swavely. <laughs> <laughs> While everyone's sleeping, we're still up at three in the morning playing cards. Uh, no, I mean, 
like you said, I mean, it, it's it's fun, obviously. I mean, we love doing it, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a grind, right? You're on the bus, getting into hotels at three in the morning and then playing the next night, or you're going to Newfoundland and you're stuck in the airport for 14 hours and you know, you're driving to a game and the bus breaks down. Like there's, you know, there's no, uh, no, I guess, easy days, I guess, if you want to say, or, um, but no, I mean, it's, I wouldn't change anything, but there's obviously still a grind piece to, to playing and the ECHL, the AHL, NHL. So Man, you brought up the Newfoundland trip, so I guess we'll uh, we'll hit on this for a minute. So, uh, end of 2018-2019, March, and uh, the Royals are flying to Newfoundland after we played Norfolk the night before. So, we had a three-hour ride to the D.C. airport, and then we were going to park the bus in the parking lot for wherever we parked it, I don't know, two or three hours end up at the terminal at 4.30 and everything's going smooth, which as you know, flying in the ECHL, there's sometimes yeah. sometimes where things aren't so smooth. Um, but we'll say that all, without naming any names, we'll say all of the veterans and first year players, except for maybe one guy was prepared to go on that trip, <laughs> you remember? Uh, no names here. Oh, and then uh, we're sitting at the gate and uh, we get on the flight. What do we sit? we must have sat on that plane for three or four hours before they kicked us off. Right. They said yeah. that we can't take off mechanical issue. Right. Yeah. There was something weird like that. And then I think we sat in the terminal for 10 hours, 12 hours. And then we, we did get a, a uh, we did get a, what was it? Like a Wendy's pay stub though, for 10 bucks <laughs> from them. <laughs> where did you go? Do you remember where he went to eat that? I think I went to the Dunkin' Donuts four times probably that day. Yeah. That yeah was, something like that. That was a long day. I remember that. The next that day, cool. we flew to Toronto, right? Yeah, was, that's right. No, oh, the, that, that. Sorry. Yeah. that day, we flew to Toronto. We had a free yeah. hotel. They did give us a free hotel, which was yeah. like a sticking point, because otherwise, I think, uh, I don't know, we were going to sleep that night, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we would have to figure it out. So they gave us the free hotel, because it was mechanical issue. That's what saved yeah. us. There were two flights the next day, right? So yeah. Yeah, 10 or 12 of you guys went on the first one, and then 10 or – do you remember whether you were on the first or second flight? Because the second flight was you had to wait five more hours to get to Newfoundland. Yeah, I think I I think I was on the first flight, and then we heard that you guys didn't leave yet, and we landed in Newfoundland. <laughs> Thank God we got on the first one. Yeah, that's right. And then a couple games against the Growlers up there. Um, their addition to the league's been awesome. But wanted to get into some of your favorite spots. Uh, I'll give you give you the floor here. Favorite spots, favorite road cities in the ECHL, and I'll leave the reasoning up to you. Um, well, Florida is obviously a good one because it's warm. Yeah. Go down there, you get to catch a couple spring break or spring uh, season games, baseball. Um, I mean, I love I love Charleston. That's a great spot. Um, Boise was another favorite. It's a great town. That's another undercover town that, you know, you don't think of when uh, doing a lot of traveling. So I think uh, those are probably my top three. North Division, Adirondack, Worcester, Manchester. Yeah, you see uh, those all the time, though. What's that? I said we go there all the time, right? That's right. That's right. So other than uh, maybe checking out the fine streets of Portland, Maine, here or there, and a couple other. Yeah, Maine is a good spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that covers the North Division piece of it. Uh, the Royals' first year, or your first year with the Royals was the year that the team 
ended up going to the playoffs and lost to Brampton in that series. And then the next year, Manchester, Charles Williams was just on fire. But you oh, had, yeah. he had some successful series, even though kind of ran into Zach Fucali stopping everything. And then uh, Charles Williams did the same. Um, the teams that you were on, though, I know that there's a lot of things that make a team special, but what are some things that jump out about those playoff teams, your first two years with the team where you established yourself and made those first couple years really special? Um, yeah, I mean, just the guys in the locker room. I mean, I think that makes any team. Um, that Manchester series, I remember that. I think every game went to, like, double overtime. Yeah. I mean, it was really could have gone any way. Um, and that was a team that we thought that we could go far. And, you know, it's one bounce here or there once it comes to playoffs. Um, even that Brampton series the year before was the same way. Um, so I think just in general, just Redding's always had a good group of guys. And I think that's why they're always successful. Everybody buys in. And, you know, that's the key piece is everybody buying into what, you know, K-Mac is saying and, and wants out of each guy. And when you have that and you have 20 guys, you know, really bought in, you're going to have success. So I think uh, the coaching staff has always done a good job there of kind of relaying that, you know, information and kind of being an open book, so to say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always been, you know, the guys in the room that have made, you know, the years in Reading special. Six years pro is, is no small accomplishment. Obviously, there's individual accolades, but I feel like going through six years of a grind of pro – um, is different in some ways than four years of college or years with the national team development program. How did you grow as a person and sort of professionally uh, in the way that you approach things um, from the time you graduated college to when you finished your pro career? Yeah, I mean, in college, you're playing Friday, Saturday, right? Um, it's pretty much a breeze when it comes to travel. Um, so I think I learned a lot really like on the bus, um, you know, just late night talks with, you know, coaching staff, not just about, you know, hockey, but just in life, like, you know, we'd be up front of the bus, you remember, and we would just be talking about literally anything. So I think just as like a person and a player, I learned a lot just on those, you know, late night bus rides and you're just talking about life experiences and what somebody has gone through and how and what can you take from that experience. And, you know, I think that alone gave me um, just a lot of knowledge and, and life experience from those, <laughs> those long, grueling bus rides. And it made it more enjoyable. Um, so I think from that standpoint, I did a lot of learning on those bus rides. I remember, you know, there's a few of them and there's just, sometimes it's weird because you can ask the question of, a former player of anybody that's on the bus about like, Oh, what's, what are some of your favorite stories? And they really don't come to mind, but yeah. then you'll be in a scenario where you're chatting with a buddy or catching up with a friend. You're like, Oh, I remember this one time we were going here. Yeah. And it's sort of asking the question is the wrong way about, Oh, what are your favorite bus rides? But things just kind of crop up and yeah. stories in here that you remember. There's one bus ride that I still consider my favorite one. I think that, this might maybe spark a couple more for you. Uh, I think after the Nick Nieder game is probably the, yeah. the favorite one, um, just yeah. because one, nobody wanted to think about getting any sort of rest. Everyone was happy. 
everyone was joyful. There were a couple beverages on the bus up for the guys. And I think that the most coincidental part is, and Nick will say this too, is that he wishes he was on the bus with us on the yeah. way back. Um, but that, that game's obviously such a special one still for all of those that yeah. were part of it. Uh, what do you remember about that day, those couple days, Angus Redman uh, got hurt and then uh, all yeah. kind of broke loose? Oh, I remember that. I mean, that, I mean, see, K-Mac in a panic is always, is always a joy because <laughs> – it's more times than not, right? So um, when we had that situation, I mean, again, that starts with the guys in the room being like, we don't care, you know, who's in net or who's behind the bench or whatever, but we're going to try to win this game. And um, obviously Nick coming up and driving himself however many hours, obviously kudos to him. Um, <laughs> I remember they were just firing shots from everywhere and, and Nick was standing on his head. He made some great saves that game. Um, I remember him puking mid, uh, mid game, which was great to see. I mean, it was just, um, that just goes to show the guys that were in that locker room that, that year, um, to go to bat for a guy that came out of nowhere, drove four or five hours the day of the game and, um, was just an awesome experience. He's a journeyman. Um, he yeah. texted me, he texted me a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and I, I, not to make this too sad or anything like that, but he texted me after the Comrie thing. And I mean, obviously it's so sad to mm -hmm. see a former Royal, but um, I feel like we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't hit on it and uh, talk a little bit about what Adam meant to you as a teammate for a couple of years, a couple different spots here in Reading. You knew him and uh, you know what, what he meant to you. Um, yeah. It's obviously a really, a really crappy thing that's happened. No, I know. I mean, I remember, here in the news, I think uh, Swaves texted me, and it's just one of those like eye-opening texts that you get or phone calls that you get. Like, no way, like how yeah. and why? Because Comrie was a great guy, came to the rink with a great attitude, left the rink with a great attitude. I remember he'd always ride his bike um, to and from the apartments to the rink. He loved riding that thing. Um, and he's just a great guy to be around, you know, uh, competitor on the ice, but off the ice, great guy. And um, to hear that news, I mean, it was just awful. I mean, he had his whole life, you know, in front of him and, and he still had hockey left in, in him. And, um, you know, just from the family aspect, like obviously my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, uh, I know Tansky was – really close with them and um it's just you know like you said a sad situation you hate to hear those news um but you know he definitely left his mark with everybody that he was around and for anybody you do that that's all you can ask and yeah just a tough situation it's really well said and you know the thoughts and prayers condolences with the family and friends of which you know obviously you are you are one to Adam and a lot of former Royals players. I guess what I was trying to uh, say was that, and you expressed this a little bit, is that you make over six years pro, four years in college, two years in the program. Before that, you make so many different connections with folks that matter to you and former teammates down to people in the front office and Jay Bird and Sean here with the Royals. And um, it, it has to be such a, a special thing when you put it in perspective that, hey, 
besides just the fans that I was able to play in front of that I've maybe personally had an impact on so many other guys' lives. Yeah. I mean, you would hope, right? And yeah. I know that, I know that Comrie did for sure. Um, like you said, I mean, it's just a tough uh, situation. And, and like you said, you know, thoughts and prayers out to his family and, and loved ones, because that's never something that you want to, you know, wake up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, want to end on a little bit of a, of a brighter note before we let you go, obviously. So um, you have to pick, I know I kind of get into the road city thing here, but if you had to pick one AHL city where one AHL and one ECHL city that you have to spend the rest of your life, I know you're going to be living near outside Philly and stuff, but now I'm asking you a different type of question. One AHL city you have to live in for the rest of your life, one ECHL city, whether you played there or not, I'm going to put you on the spot and make you pick and you got to give your reasoning for it. All right. I'm going to go in the ECHL. I would yeah. go probably Charleston. Okay. That's fair. A lot of good golf, a lot of good golf down there. A lot of good food. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go there. And probably then in the AHL, I'm assuming, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to say Henderson if you want to go with the Vegas option. Uh, they're coming in. Oh, Palm yeah. Springs. I mean, I'll give you the Palm Springs option too. So it's on the table. Henderson. I mean, I'd probably go like San Diego. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that one. Yeah. That's child. So, right? I'd probably go with that. So you're basically going either East Coast, best beach spot and, and spot on the East Coast and probably the best place to live yeah. in the world in San Diego. So uh, yeah. see people people sometimes say the minor league life is tough, but I guess uh, that shows that it might not be <laughs> yeah. that bad overall. No, um, not at all. Yeah. Um, let's finish up just again to remind people what you're up to now, how they can get in touch with you. Uh, Elite Edge is the name of it, but uh, give, yeah. us, give us the rundown again. Um, about how they can get in touch with you and, and what's up with that. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully, like I said earlier, we're up and running come, you know, December 1, mid-November. Um, follow us on Instagram, Elite3Edge. Uh, we got Facebook. Our website's coming out with all the details. We're just working on everything. Like I said, we're just trying to check all the boxes so that when we're we're up and running, we're we're taking off and, and helping the, the youth. And, you know, not just hockey, but, but every – every sport when it comes to into the gym and, and mental wellness. Um, as a pro, I kind of learned that the, the on ice stuff can only take you so far and, and being prepared with the off ice stuff um, obviously gives you that extra boost. And um, we got some merch here coming out. So uh, <laughs> plug it, make sure, uh, make sure you get to us to follow and, and, and become part of the team. Cause it's going to be something special and, and we're all excited to work with uh, the kids coming up yeah the mental piece well, first of all show the hat again for the people watching it's, oh, yeah. it's pretty cool uh those listening chris chris sporting a nice white red and is that is it, that's black or gray black right yeah, black black, yeah. it's a pretty slick uh two color tone there a nice yeah, black hat there, with yeah. uh sort of like a i'll do the play-by-play -play, a little black triangle on it yeah, um, yeah. broken up into sort of a maze like left and right going down sort of two well it's two backwards e's kind of combined into a triangle which is pretty sick. Um, yeah. It's sort of like you look at the New England Patriots logo and you don't realize <laughs> first that it's, uh, it's actually a, a literal Patriots until you yeah. look closer. 
Um, but yeah, uh, the let's finish out the mental piece because you say that, and I know yeah. you said that sort of every time. Um, you can sort of say, oh, you know, mental health and mental wellness and being strong mentally is important. But what are yeah. you going to what do you what do you mean by that in terms of hockey and how you're going to make sure the people and kids in the program are are getting that? Yeah, it's just I mean, a lot of it obviously has to do with the all night stuff, but. Um, just throughout the six years pro, um, I learned that, you know, it's okay to talk about stuff that's going on outside of the sport. And, you know, you can't really play any game with a clear mind if, if you're holding all this stuff in. And um, I think I've learned that over the, over the past six years. And I wish I had started it earlier, um, but I think just in general – um, the whole mental wellness piece to the puzzle is a big piece um, along with the gym and, and the all nice training, you know, um, for any athlete and anybody really, I think uh, in terms, it's getting to be more acceptable, right? Like there was such a stigma behind it um, even a couple of years ago. So I think um, just voicing that and being more open to, um, you know, the whole mental piece of the puzzle will help players, you know, in athletics, academics, everyday life. So I think that's our goal when it comes to, to that piece of the puzzle. That's really well done um, and shines a light on things that affect everyone, not just hockey players or, you know, the same type of baggage that you might feel or mental stress you feel bringing into work in the yeah. office one day, whether it's a nine to five or whether you're getting on the ice uh, is really well said. So Chris, uh, We'll leave it at that. We're looking forward to seeing the future development of Elite Edge, a brand new program you've started in retirement. So thanks again for hopping on with us, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, Finer, and uh, I'll see you soon.